There's always a need to reaffirm value. And uh, we live in a culture that dishonors and devalues, and all of us feel that in some way. And uh, to have a, a special time like this, whether it's Father's Day, Mother's Day, Christmas, Easter, whether it's a birthday, whatever it is, it's always great to use any opportunity you can to honor people, to express the value they have, and to speak words or say things or do things that imparts value. I want to share with you just uh, a little thing out of uh, uh, Luke chapter 15. Uh, I want to just speak just something God's shown me and just touch my heart with today. And uh, I have a little clip at the end to also just to run. We have a look in Luke chapter 15, Luke chapter 15. So we're celebrating Father's Day today, and, uh, and the Bible tells us to do that in various ways. It says in, uh, in Ephesians, it tells us in Ephesians 6, honor your father and your mother, that it may go well with you, for this is the first commandment with a, pr uh, with a promise. And uh, the Bible is very clear that honoring our parents, both mother and father, is crucial for success in life. And so the first relationship we form with parents shapes how we view authority in every arena of life. It also shapes how you view God. And so for some people today, Father's Day is a very happy time. You have wonderful memories, happy memories. You have experiences that are joyful. And for others, uh, just even coming today would have been a challenge for you because there will be pain and turmoil and conflict in your heart because the father's abandoned you or he's been violent or there's been conflict <coughs> or some kind of situation has come up that's never been resolved. I wish today was happy for everyone. The reality is it isn't. And the moment we bring up and celebrate Father's Day, we flush out to the open where we stand in our heart in what we believe about a father and also what we believe about God. And so the Bible urges us to honor our fathers because it has an impact on every arena, every aspect, every relationship in life. In fact, I can tell you now, if there is unresolved conflict with your father, it will follow you all your life until you resolve it. And uh, so the, the, the thing we need to see is that fathers present for us our first image of what God is like as a father. So many people love Jesus. They see Jesus the Savior. But when it comes to relating to God as father, it's a bit of a challenge. And the challenge is that there's unresolved conflict. Let me just share with you something that Jesus came to do. In Luke chapter 15, all the sinners <clears throat> and the tax collectors drew near to him to hear him. But the Pharisees and the scribes complained and said, this man is accepting sinners and he eats with them. So the Bible tells us that Jesus came to reveal what God is like. So if you don't know what God is like, you have an idea. Uh, your father will have helped shape that idea. Uh, Christians may have shaped that idea. Uh, authority figures may have shaped that idea. But all of us have a concept and idea and image of what God is really like. Now, it may not be true. And here's the problem, that what you believe in your heart about God will affect how you relate with him. And so through the uh, centuries, God sent people to reveal what he's like. And finally, he sent Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, to reveal exactly what God is like. So there can be no mistaking. And so when Jesus came, the way he spoke, interacted, and dealt with people reveals what God is like as a father. Often when we look at the Bible, what we do is we look it through the filter of what we have, so we still don't see what God is like. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Think about this. How many know that Jesus said this, that what I see the Father doing, that's what I do? How many, how many, how many know that? You know that verse? Then who was washing the disciples' feet? Well, that's a hard concept to get around, isn't it? That God Almighty is a Father would stoop 
and take the lowest roll and wash the disciples' feet. You see, Jesus came to give us a true representation of what God is like. I was in a church recently, and it was quite funny to watch. They come into the church meeting. They all got quiet. They went out into the coffee bar, and everyone yabba, 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 yabba. And I said, why is it that there's such a change in behavior from one place to the other? It's because of the way you view God and how you see him. So you've got God in this room, and everyone's all quiet and can't have fun. Then you go out to another room, and now we can leave God behind in the auditorium. We can have coffee and tea, and we can laugh and have fun, because now we don't have anything to worry about. But I said, that's not how God is. God is in both places, and we can laugh and have fun. See, for some, it may be in trouble to have all the things. Fancy having a tug-of-war in church. See, so that's the very thing that some people would wrestle with, because of the way you view God. The concepts that you have. So I want to just, you know the story of the prodigal son, so I'll just summarize it, but I want to draw your attention to just a couple of statements, one by the younger son, one by the older son. So Jesus spoke three parables, and the purpose of the parables was to uncover what God is like and to reveal, and it's an answer and response to these Pharisees, these religious people, and the way they treated people, the way, the attitudes they have. And so Jesus told the story of a father who had two sons. The younger son said, Dad, I've had enough. I, I don't want to hang around and wait till you die. I want the money now. I want the inheritance. I want what's mine now. I don't want to stay in the house. I don't want to stay connected to you. I want what you have. I want you to help me get ahead. And so give me the money. And the father gave him the money, which is astonishing. That is really astonishing. Instead of reacting to him and kicking him out of home, the father just released him. And gave him the resources. So the army went away and he wasted his life. He had a wild life. He spent the money, had parties, had celebrations, had all kinds of friends who weren't really friends. And then when a famine came and everything got tough, all the friends left him and he's on his own, absolutely desperate. His character's ruined. His life is ruined. His finances are ruined. His emotion and his soul are all in turmoil and torment. He ends up feeding the pigs, the lowest possible place you could come to. And finally, at the bottom of it, he comes to himself and he says, I need to go back to my dad. So he makes the long journey back to his dad and as he comes back to his dad no doubt he's rehearsing in his mind what he will say now when people speak something what they say it reveals what they really believe in the heart and so the young man spoke some words when he encountered his father I want to show you three things he believed in his heart and three things that were entirely wrong then the older brother, when he sees the party the father puts on, he also says some things, and I want you to see what the older, father, the older brother believed, and he also was totally wrong. The truth is quite different. So let's just have a quick look and, uh, and just see the, the words that the, uh, the young man said. Verse 18, I will arise and go to my father's house and say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of the hired servants. I want you to see some things that he had. Notice his statement, I've sinned, I'm no longer worthy. What is he struggling with inside? He's struggling with inside that the life he's living is such full of failure, full of pain, full of turmoil, full of rejection, full of bitterness, full of broken relationships, full of, of failure. It's literally a life filled with failure. And all he can think about is that I'm a failure that I have failed. And so as he's coming towards his father, he doesn't understand what his father is like. He's actually lost, not just lost from his father in the relationship, he's lost because of what he believes and how he sees life. The first thing is, the notice that the first thing is 
that my father is not loving and generous, he's going to hold all my failure against me. He's so conscious of his failure that in his heart he believes this is going to be held against me. The second thing is, he actually believes he's of no value and no worth because of what he's done with his life. Does this sound familiar? The third thing he says is, I'm going to have to really work hard to earn my father's approval. I'm going to have to serve like a slave. I, I really don't deserve anything else. So what he believes about his father is this. His father is, is a person who's not loving and not generous. His father is a person who will hold what I've done against me. That's a common thing people believe, that if I failed, it'll be held against me. And mostly it is. Second thing he believed, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough for my dad. I'm not good enough to be a son. I'm not good enough to be in the family of God. I'm not good enough at all because of how I've run my life and all my failures. And the third thing is, the only way I'm actually going to find acceptance and approval is I just got to work and slave like a son. So he's, this is what he's got going on inside him. He's got three completely wrong beliefs. And as he comes back, what he is shocked is what he discovers, that nothing about what he believes is true. The father comes to him, runs to him, holds on to him, hugs him, loves him, smell of the pigs and all. And so the truth is quite different. The truth is the father is loving and generous. Think about this. The young man is absolutely run down. He's wasted the father's money. He's blown his life. His, his, his whole life is full of failure. And the father abounds in love and generosity. Many people struggle because they think because they've failed, and we're aware of our failures in life, that because we've failed, God won't be generous to us. We think that the way we live our life determines how God will respond to us. Christians get very strongly oriented this way, as we'll see in just a moment. The reality is God is generous, God is loving, God is gracious, God is abundance. Notice this, the Father had already forgiven them. Now that's a bit of a wonder, because a lot of people, when, you come, when we come to God, we wonder whether he will forgive us. The Father had already forgiven him. The Father in his heart had already forgiven him, already accepted him. How do you know? Because the way he welcomed him. He ran to him, hugged him, fell on him, loved him, accepted him. This broke the understanding the young man had completely. Second thing about is, that, is, is this. He was loved and valuable to the, the father loved him and he considered him valuable. He was still valuable even though he'd blown out his life. I found that often when we mess up our life, what happens is we feel of no value whatsoever. And so we come to God as a person of no value, thinking we have to earn our value to you. God says you are of great value. You are of great value if you succeed. You're of great value when you fail. You're of great value if nothing much is happening in your life. You are of great value because God puts value on you. It's nothing to do with whether you're succeeding, failing, making a big impact with your life, no impact with your life. It does not change the truth. The truth is God is loving and generous. God values you and accepts you. That's the truth. Third thing is God already approves of you. You do not have to serve like a slave. He wants to welcome you as a son. Think about this. When Jesus was baptized in the Spirit, the words he got from his father were, this is my son whom I love, and I'm pleased with him already. What had he done? He'd done no ministry, no miracles, nothing. Actually, this is the nature of the father. He is loving. He is generous. He's abundant. He's already forgiven in his heart what we've done. All that the problem is, 
how we perceive him. The young man, as he came to his father, was full of torment, full of his failure, full of guilt, full of grief, full of pain. And the question was whether he would believe that and believe in his story, I'm a failure, I'm of no value, I have to work to make up, or whether he would believe the truth, his father's story, you're already forgiven, it's already been done, I've already got a place in my heart for you, you don't have to work to get that place, it's actually here already for you, you just have to receive it. This is a concept that many find hard to get. And so when we don't get it, we live less than what God has for us. Father had a party already. Listen, the, the Father already has a party for you. He has a realm of life for you, but your beliefs will either make room for you to enter it or they will hold you out. The young son was faced with this choice. Will I believe all of this or is it all too good to be true? Actually, this is what I believe. He is mean. He's got a, something up his sleeve. And actually, I'm of no value and I really got to work to get this thing right. You have to choose what you believe. And choosing to believe in what God is like truly as Jesus represented him enables you then to enter into it. Now have a look at the older son and what he did. And uh, here's the older brother. And notice this, it tells us in verse 28, they're all having a party. Now notice this, the son is in the environment where the party is taking place. So there's a celebration going on, and his younger brother is having a marvelous time. He's got robes on, he's celebrating, he's having a party. It's just it's all too good to be true. And the older brother who's worked in the house, the older brother who's been serving for a long time, you notice now it says he's angry and he would not go in. And uh, so you notice now that he's got a whole lot of things that are going on. Now, he's got some concepts. So the father comes out to him and says, son, what's going on? He says, well, he says, I've served here all these years. I've worked very, very hard. You've given this young, this boy, this, this, this son of yours, you've given him a fatted calf. You haven't even given me a little goat. What I want is a little goat so I could celebrate with my friends. Haven't even given me that. He doesn't deserve all of that. How come? I've served so strong. I've served so long. I've done all these things. How come I haven't got all of those things? And so he's very, very resentful. Now, I want you to see some things that clearly are in his heart, what he must believe. First thing is that the father isn't loving, but he's mean and demanding and not fair. You notice these are things he believes in his heart, that the father isn't loving. He believes that the father is quite mean and is withheld. Notice his statement, you've given this young boy a big fatter calf, you didn't even give me a little goat. So his thinking is, God is a holdout. The father is a holdout. The father is mean. Actually, the father really dishes out real mean-like. He doesn't give out easily. Very tight, very mean. And notice the, the next thing is, I'm of no value. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I don't even get to get a goat. I'm really not good enough. Nothing I do is good enough. I've been working real hard, and nothing I do is ever good enough. And then finally, the last thing he must have believed in his heart uh, was this. He said, i really got to approve. i got to get approval by serving like a slave. i got to work hard. Now, I struggled with these things in my heart for many years. Even though I wasn't raised, uh, raised in, in kind of a, in a, in a uh, Christian sort of background, there was no revelation of God. So therefore we had religion. And, and the thing that I learned was this. And I learned this in the interaction with my father. He did the very best he could. But he was quite exacting over what he demanded. And I came to believe that nothing I ever did was good enough. And then uh, I believed that actually that I had to really work if I was going to get any kind of approval. 
And so for years of my life I struggled and I never realized what I was struggling for. It was to get the approval that never ever came. And there was a deep pain and there were wrong beliefs in heart. And when I become a Christian, I struggle with these same beliefs. That God is hold out, you know, you've got to really, really work so hard. Man, he didn't approve. He's watching everything you know you do. And, and, and so there were all these things in my heart that I struggle with in relating to God as a loving father. The truth, however, is completely different. The truth that the father presented to him was completely different. Here's, here's the truth. The truth is God is loving and generous because that's who he is. It has nothing to do with your behavior. It has nothing to do with your performance. He is just loving and generous. That's who he is all the time. Notice this. To everyone. Now that's the bit Christians struggle with. God is generous to everyone. He blesses the just and the unjust. He is kind to everyone. God so loved the whole world, not just loved the Christians. God loved everyone. God loves people. And he so loved people that he's willing to give sacrificially. That's what he's like. So the first thing is God is loving and God is extremely generous. Second thing is that God loves you and places value on you. In fact, everything that God has is available for you. There's a lot of things Christians don't seem to get a hold of, that everything God has is available. It is available. He's not holding out. He's not withholding from you good things. Actually, it's all available. Notice what the Father said to the Son. You've always been here. You are my Son. Everything you've got, everything I've got is available. It's available all the time for you. Now, even though it was available, he never got it. Why did he never get it? Because you, I have to work to get it. And so the truth is, you don't have to work to get it. We actually have to believe in the goodness of the Father. God already approves. You don't have to struggle hard to be good enough for God. Maybe you've got to struggle hard to be good enough for Christians, but you don't have to struggle hard enough to be good enough for God. He already says, I love you. I'm generous to you. I've already accepted and forgiven you. I have much to offer you, and it's already, you're already approved. Now, this is a hard thing to get. And this was the very point that Jesus wanted to bring. Now notice that the father, the, the son was complaining because the father was unfair. Notice the whole thread of his conversation. Now this boy's done all of this, and I've done all of this, and you've been good to him, and how come you haven't been good to me? He said, look, this son wrecked all of his character, he, did, he wasted all the money, he did all these things, and he's blown it all out, and you've given him a party and a calf! And I've worked hard, and I haven't even got a little goat. It's not fair. Ever heard yourself say that? It's not fair. Here's the thing. God is not fair. That's the problem. You see, God is loving and gracious, and, gra and he's generous. And grace and generosity are never fair. They actually, they just give because that's their nature. See, he's arguing fair. To be fair means that this one gets the same as that one. To be fair means it doesn't, there's no partiality. To be fair means it's operated under a principle of law. If I do this, then I'm entitled to this. But God doesn't operate that way at all. Not at all. And so every time as a Christian, you see God suddenly pour his favor out on someone, and here you are, and you're working and you're laboring, and this doesn't happen for you. The younger brother thing rises up, and it comes up out of wrong beliefs about God. God actually is good, generous, loving to everyone. That's who he is. And when someone opens up and receives his generosity and believes he's generous, they get a fatted calf. 
if someone does not believe he's generous, they've got to work for it, they seem to have not even a poor little goat. And they become bitter and resentful because God isn't fair, life isn't fair, I've been in church and tried so hard, and yet I haven't got anything that it seems I should get. Someone walks in and God is just answering their prayer, they got that job, I've been praying for months and didn't get one, they got that blessing, they got this, they got that, it is not fair. No, 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 God doesn't operate on a fair basis, he operates out of who he is, which is loving and generous and abundant, and when you believe in that, you can access that. If you don't believe it's like that, you can't access it at all, and so it is unfair because some people seem to get something and you can't get it at all. It has nothing to do with fairness, it has not to do with how much you worked, it has to do God is generous, abundant and gracious. This is why he does stuff that shocks people. You can't box him in and say, if we behave in a certain way, he'll approve of us, love us, and he'll bless us, and we'll be more blessed than everyone else. It doesn't work that way. Jesus, in his first preaching, as he came into the temple, as he came in and he spoke in the singer, this is what he said. He said, actually, God blessed and healed a leper, and the only leper that got healed wasn't a Jew. How do you think that one? What do you think of that one? And he said, actually, he made provision for a widow and she wasn't a Jew. And everyone went through a hard time except them. And neither of them were Jews. What do you think about that? You know what happened? They all acted like the elder brother rose up and they just said, we've got to kill this Jesus. He's not presenting the concept of God that we believe. We believe we have an exclusive hold on God. He's got to operate in a certain way. God does not operate that way. So they tried to kill Jesus. Let me think, what is, your, what is going on in your heart and your beliefs towards God? See? Has your view of God been distorted so you have experiences with the Father and the result of that is you have a distorted view of God? You need to resolve that. It's holding you back from being in the party. Others are there. You're not. It's what's in your heart holds you back. The way to deal with that is to acknowledge that bitterness and grief, anger I have towards a natural dad actually is blocking me entering the party. It may be that uh, you've had experience with authorities, whether in life, in church, family, school, whatever, and they have shaped and colored you and caused you to distrust, but it's keeping you out of the party, what you believe. It's shaping the way you think about God, and that stops what you can receive. Or perhaps it's been involved in churches, it's been legalistic, there's been religious concepts. You've had framed up for you all these demanding concepts. That if you just work hard enough, somehow you'll get the favor of God. Listen, all of that stuff shapes your thinking, and it stops you enjoying. We have a loving dad, and we can come to him anytime. He's an amazing, wonderful father. I want to you need to let go of to experience God's fatherhood in a much deeper way. I wonder if there's some relational conflict and issue that you need to deal with. Today's Father's Day, so if there's anything in your heart about your dad that's hindering you back, today will be the day it'll show up. You won't be able to flow from your heart with love and honor. Is there anything you need to embrace and receive about what God is like? I want to finish just a little video clip. Just pop it up now, then we'll just finish the service. If you can get it to play, that'll be great. you are about to experience are true. They will change your life if you let them. For they come from the very heart of God. He loves you. And He is the Father you have been looking for all your life. 
This is his love letter to you. My child, you may not know me, but I know everything about you. I know when you sit down and when you rise up. I'm familiar with all your ways. Even the very hairs on your head are numbered. For you were made in my image. In me you live and move and have your being. For you are my offspring. I knew you even before you were conceived. Chose you when I planned creation. You were not a mistake. For all your days are written in my book. I determined the exact time of your birth and where you would live. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I knit you together in your mother's womb and brought you forth on the day you were born. Been misrepresented by those who don't know me. I am not distant and angry, but am the complete expression of love. And it is my desire to lavish my love on you, simply because you are my child and I am your father. I offer you more than your earthly father ever could, for I am the perfect father. Every good gift that you receive comes from my hand, for I am your provider and I meet all your needs. My plan for your future has always been filled with hope, because I love you with an everlasting love. My thoughts toward you are countless as the sand on the seashore, and I rejoice over you with singing. I will never stop. Doing good to you, for you are my treasured possession. I desire to establish you with all my heart and all my soul, and I want to show you great and marvelous things. If you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Delight in me, and I will give you the desires of your heart, for it is I who gave you those desires. I am able to do more for you than you could possibly imagine, for I am your greatest encourager. I am also the father who comforts you in all your troubles. When you are broken-hearted, I am close to you. As a shepherd carries a lamb, I have carried you close to my heart. One day, I will wipe away every tear from your eyes. And I'll take away all the pain you have suffered on this earth. I am your father, and I love you even as I love my son Jesus. For in Jesus, my love for you is revealed. He is the exact representation of my being. He came to demonstrate that I am for you, not against you, and to tell you that I am not counting your sins. Jesus died so that you and I could be reconciled. 
His death was the ultimate expression of my love for you. I gave up everything I love that I might gain your love. If you receive the gift of my son Jesus, you receive me. And nothing will ever separate you from my love again. Come home and I'll throw the biggest party heaven has ever seen. I have always been father and will always be father. My question is, will you be my child? I am waiting for you. Love, your dad, Almighty God. Just close your eyes. Just let our heart just open up. What you've heard is just the word of God. God speaking how he sees you. You are loved. You have a father in heaven who loves you. We heard just at the last part of that uh, slide, he's waiting for you to respond. Is there anyone here today who never made a decision to give your life to Jesus Christ? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. We can come in many ways, but the only one way we can access the Father is through Jesus Christ. So today I invite you to respond to him, to receive him. I invite you to let Jesus Christ come into your heart. If you're here today and not a Christian, you're one decision, one choice away from connecting with God, a loving Father who watches over you, has a plan for you. You can choose to be like the younger son and believe the Father, and believe what he had to say and receive and enter into the joy and the experience of life. Or you can be like the older son and refuse, choosing to believe what you believe and in doing so, you separate yourself from the joy others have. We choose whether we enter in or don't enter in. And that choice affects us now and forever. Today is a day to make a decision. I'll receive Jesus Christ. I'll receive God's gift to me. If you're here today and you're right at that point, and you say, I'm going to make that decision. Make, I felt the love of God. I've seen the life and joy in the family of God today I want to receive Jesus Christ I want to choose to believe not what I've experienced in life not my own thoughts but I want to choose to believe the truth that God loves me he's generous to me he values me he's already accepted me I choose to believe it receive it and enter into it I don't have to struggle to be good enough I choose to believe what he has done for me when Christ died on the cross if that's you today and your decision is to receive Jesus, to give your life to the Lord, become a Christian, become part of the family of God, would you raise your hand and let me know? Just raise your hand right now, wherever you are. I want to give my life to Jesus today. Very important decision to make. I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. Would you just raise your hand and say, that's me. I want to do that today. Is there anyone here today? Right at that point of decision. Don't go away without God in your heart and life. Just make the decision today. I'm going to choose to believe what I have heard, that God is good and loving. He's accepted me because of what Jesus did for me. Is there anyone here today? Just raise your hand just right now. It's important to make that decision, a personal decision. No one can make it for you. It's a decision to enter into a different life. It's a decision to exclude yourself from that life. It's a decision centered around receiving Christ. 
Perhaps there's others here today, and uh, as you've been through the service and we start to talk about father issues and things like that, you become uncomfortable and know there's things in your heart that you need to let go of. Perhaps you're like the younger son and you've chosen to believe that all your failures somehow disqualify and you're not approved. You say, God, I'm just going to turn from that thinking. I'm going to repent of that thing. I want to come and believe and hold on to the truth. I'm loved and approved of. That's you today. Just raise your hand. God's speaking to me about that. God bless. God bless. Others today, and you've worked hard, strived hard, but you always feel I'm never good enough, and God always holds out. And there's really actual, like a resentment in your heart that somehow I'm not, there's no joy for me. There's no life for me. I just seem like Christianity's all hard work. It's not a joy. If that's you today, you need to really open your heart to the love of God. Is that you? Just raise your hand. God bless. God bless. God bless. Father, I just thank you for your great love here today. Father, we just open our hearts to receive that love. What I'd like you to do is just to pray, if you feel comfortable to do so, for the person next to you. Pray for the love of God to flow into their heart and into their life. This is about fathers, it's about family. So let's just connect with one another, and wherever you are right now, just pray for the person next to you. Pray for God's love to come on them, God's presence to come in a deeper way. Just minister to the person next to you. Pray for them. Ask, ask the Father's blessing upon them. Increased awareness of his love. Increased faith. Increase in access to God. Have the stewards ready to come and take up the offering. We overlooked it earlier in the service. Need to do it now. God bless. Those stewards just come and get ready to take up the offering. Straight after the service, we have a cup of tea, a cup of coffee, just out on the foyer. Feel free to stay on, just enjoy family. Stewards just come around up to the front aisle, up to there. Okay, church, we won't stand, won't sing. We just enjoy God together. And we're going to just keep our offering and honor God in our giving today. Giving is one of the ways we acknowledge that God is good and we've been blessed. Our giving today honors Him. So let's just give. Straight after the service, there's a cup of coffee, cup of tea. Opportunities to connect out on the foyer.
be speaking again tonight. Look forward to seeing some of you back tonight. And uh, meantime, have a, a wonderful Father's Day. Happy family time together. God bless you. Have a great and awesome week.